0: Today on radical personal finance, I hope to engender in you a sense of appreciation for frankly how easy some of us have it by living in the places that we do. Welcome to the Radical Personal Finance Podcast. My name is Joshua Sheets, and I'm your host. Thank you for being with me today. This is the show where we work hard to help you live a rich life now while also building a plan for financial freedom in 10 years or less. And today, I want to give you an appreciation of just how great a country, an economy, just a place that is that you live by showing you what it's like in some other places. I'm pretty confident in talking about uh, how great it is uh, that you live, just simply because uh, I know that (laughs) most of you are in Western nations, most of the listeners are in the United States, some are in in Canada, in Germany, in the the UK, we have listeners in Australia, we have many listeners in other parts of the world uh, as well, in developing countries, and frankly, I think there are many opportunities that we can have to improve things in many different places in the world. Uh, But today, I have my friend Bola here from Nigeria, and uh, Bola, welcome to Radical Personal Finance. Thank you, Joshua. <laughs> so uh, Bola is here visiting me in West Palm Beach right now from Nigeria. And Bola, I've used from our past conversations of you sharing of, of life on the ground in Nigeria, I've often used your situation, my mental thinking of thinking, well, here's what life is like in Nigeria and, and how would I apply uh, what I teach on Radical Personal Finance in that context. But today uh, I've invited you on the show and we're going to spend some time just talking about what life is like In Nigeria. Now, I'm not singling out Nigeria other than the fact that you're sitting here and that's where you're born and raised, and you have a broad exposure to the culture there uh, where you live. Uh, And life is different in many places. But I think oftentimes people who haven't traveled, people who haven't traveled to um, some parts of Africa, people who haven't traveled to uh, some parts of Central or South America or parts of, of Asia, where life is very different from the Western context, they often have a difficult time relating. To people who are in a different situation, and so uh, I just want to talk about what life is is like. So, as we begin, though, to help people get a little bit of an appreciation of uh, uh, of, of you and your background, give us just a short uh, introduction of your experience uh, in Nigeria, especially as it relates to your professional background. You come from the professions; you were formally trained, college educated as an architect. Tell us a little bit about your your professional uh, background.
1: Yeah, thank you, Joshua. Uh, well, professionally, I was trained as an architect. And uh, when I graduated, I was able to get a job. But after some time, uh, the economic situation, I, I lost my job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, uh, well, there's this survival instinct that uh, no, that comes after that because you've got a family to support and you've got bills to pay. And so... Um, As a professional, it gives me an advantage to stand on my own and become, uh, you know, and and have a job and have a consortium where I consult for people and practice. So I got a private practice. But not many people are as fortunate as that. Not many people have a college education, and not many people have you uh, know profession that they can stand on their own and practice they have to depend on the government they have to depend on someone to employ them and if there is no employment then the prob- the, uh, the trouble comes so I will say that I'm one of the uh, very few people uh, who have uh, a prof- professional background and when the job is no longer there, can stand and practice on on my own mm-hmm. but then Again, that's dependent on economy. Mm -hmm. Now, the job came to a time, the job uh, was not coming as regularly as it used to be. And so uh, the survival instinct, again, comes into play. (laughs) (laughs) So it's not about what you're trained to do. It's about looking for areas where you can become an employment of labor yourself. You know, where you can provide job, not really looking for job. Right. So that instinct and that condition actually uh, bring the best in, you know, bring the best out of you. And you find yourself doing some things you never knew you could do. Mm-hmm. And everything is geared towards, uh, towards survival. Right. So I've been, I was privileged to be able to stand and uh, work a little bit on, on my own. Then uh,
0: talking about the employment rate, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So let's go there because uh, that was—it's one of the most interesting things that I think that people often don't conceive of—is what the employment or unemployment rate is is right. like in, in some other places. So, what is the unemployment rate in Nigeria?
1: Well, there is a, uh, there are two rates. One is official—that <laughs> is what the government says. But the other one is unofficial, that is uh, what some other people who are in the private sector actually says. Well, uh, uh, the last count, I guess the government says the unemployment rate is about maybe 17%. 17%. 17%. Mm-hmm. 17%. But unofficially, uh, some people put it at something like 75%, 80%. So how do you reconcile that? <laughs> <laughs> There's a bit of a difference between those two numbers. I tell you. now. Now, this is my little... Probably this might shed a little, uh, a little more light. Just around me, uh, I have got I got people in my immediate uh, environment, brothers, friends, relatives. But I can tell you that ten I mean, out of ten people, maybe nine of them are not
0: employed. So, and is it because they just don't want a job? Uh, well. Because And the reason I'm, I'm, I'm kind of baiting you here, but if, if out of 10 people, and, and first, you're, just, you're talking about 10 working age men right. um, who are, we're not talking about the young, the elderly. Uh, we're not uh, right. talking about people who, who are on the kind of the margins. You're talking right. about normal, able-bodied people. Right. Um, of those men, nine of the 10 aren't, aren't yeah, working. Let,
1: let me take it, take it a little bit mm-hmm. further. Uh, these are the type of people I'm talking about. People with college degrees, mm-hmm. within the age of maybe 21 and probably 45, mm-hmm. able-bodied, uh, qualified, and uh, they have family to support, and they're looking for employment. Let me give you a background story. Recently, you can you can verify this on the news. You can just Google it. The Nigerian government wants to employ uh, people in the police in the police sector. And they wanted to employ about 10,000 average. And over a million, they got over a million applications. Wow. Over a million applications. Wow. And these people, out of the million people, there are people who are overqualified. I mean, they got multiple master's degrees. Mm -hmm. So they have no business. It's not because they want to do it, but they're just looking for employment. And that's why they are applying. Well, the government only needs like 10,000 people. Now they have over over a million. So what happens, it tells you that the number of people actively looking for employment. And the reason is that the police department is not a place anybody might desire to work with, to work for. So why would a million people apply for a job they really don't want to? It means it gets to a place of frustration. They're just looking for something to do. Right. So these are able-bodied, college graduates, people with
0: everything, just looking for a job. And so that's, that's that your experience is so shocking to those of us in the U.S.-American context, because we look around, and, and, and frankly, for the, in the United States, um, for anybody who wants to work there is work out there of some kind at some price. Right. That's the contrast. And that's the contrast. (laughs) Uh, We complain a lot about the unemployment rate in the United States. But uh, when you actually dig into it, there are some people who can't work, and there are many people who are unemployed because they can't find work that they deem is suitable to them. Mm -hmm. Uh, But for those who are willing to adjust and retrain or for those who are willing to uh, take half the money they were making or a a fourth of the money, there is work at some price of some kind Mm -hmm. available for anybody who wants to work. When you take that to a context like you I mean it boggles my mind of even where to start because how do you run a how do you run a family how do you run a, a country how do you run a city where nine out of ten people who want to work can 't even find even the most basic of, of of work
1: yeah that's a very interesting question and uh it bothers you uh, i mean it's staggering right right yeah uh, when i
0: it, come to- <laughs> I've, and and reason it's staggering. <laughs> In in times past, when you tell me that, I just flat I didn't believe you, <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's why I started with saying like you're, you're you, you by clarifying your background because I know my audience is going to have the same belief right. they're not going to believe you right. uh, because the government st- statistics like you said oh seventeen seventeen percent that's the official number right. but you're, but that's why I said you're not a kook you know you come from a professional background you have a college degree you're involved on the ground. Um, I didn't pick you up off some back alley as some, you right. know, unknowledgeable person. So that's why it's so staggering because it's so different. We can't even conceive uh, of how to operate in that environment. All right, let me let me t- uh, tell you a little bit more. Um,
1: um, I know of someone who has at least uh, multiple degrees and working uh, for the government. And uh, recently, the government not pay uh, the salary, and they have to, I mean, for, for, the, for, for the past five, six months, the government has not been able to pay a salary. But the people are stuck there. They look for job, but they cannot uh, get a better job. So the fear is that, the question you might want to, uh, to ask is that, then what are you doing there? Why don't you quit the job and go get another? Right. But they can't because there's no job other, uh, out there. So, uh, and these are people who are also well-read and well-educated, and they're good at what they do, but, you know, it's just not there. Another statistics um, that might interest you is the statistics of the Immigration Department in Nigeria, who also uh, wants to bring people into the employment, and the number of people that applied for the job is also staggering, and it's even more. I mean, they want to employ like less than ten percent, and there's no way they can they can do that. Which it means that are uh, the number of people who are looking for job desperate. Now I'm not talking of those who who can, but they might not. I mean, desperately looking for job is staggering. So when I come to the U.S., I am surprised when people complain, <laughs> "Oh, there's no job. The unemployment rate is seven percent." I don't know how. Our, What's the percent in Florida? Seven
0: mm-hmm. percent? It's in like the I, I can't five to seven percent type of thing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> now when I, when I hear people complain, I shake my head and I just wish they knew <laughs> what happened in other places. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, so I, I, I don't want to pass over what you just said because uh, lest the audience missed it. You said that a highly qualified um, person in your life, right? Okay? right. Highly qualified. Mm-hmm. College educated, has a job with the government. Right. Has been working at the job of the government for how long? How many years? Uh, Fifteen. Fifteen years. Yeah. Okay. Is working for the government. And this entire year. Right. So six months now. Right. This entire year has been going to work five days a week. Five days a five week. Five days a week. And has not received a single paycheck. No. This year, no paycheck yet. <laughs> <laughs> And Sybilla, this is this is what's so astounding, um, because in the United States, you know, we have what was it, uh, a year, a couple years ago, the, the famed government shutdown, where uh, the Congress couldn't uh, couldn't come to a budget agreement, and so they started. Um, uh, uh, sh- uh, furloughing non-essential employees. And everyone was just raising a ruckus over uh, people not, having, not, not, not being expected to go to work and not have a paycheck, mm-hmm. but just simply being told, stay home for a week. And, <laughs> and I, I don't know what actually happened. My guess is that the pay was all made up in advance. And people were raising a ruckus over it. Well, but what, you've just, 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 what you described is inconceivable to the majority of my listening audience uh, of what to do. Why, why can't the government pay the, the employee? Well,
1: that's a long story. Uh, Economic Nigeria is currently uh, passing through some economic challenges uh, because the oil prices is falling all over the world, and you know that Nigeria is heavily dependent on oil, Mm -hmm. and so the prices of oil falls, and most of the states are bankrupt, and there's a bailout from the federal government to most of these states, but uh, it's still not. The states are not able to still meet the obligation towards the workers. So. And that's very and that six months. Some people have not been paid for more than that, and they don't have a choice. They still have to continue going to work. Uh, Hopefully, that someday the checks will come.
0: Hopefully, one day uh, the check will come. So, but what what if it doesn't come? Right, because there's people waiting in the wings who would love to have that job. They're not getting paid for doing nothing, that's exactly so they might as right. well not get paid for doing something right. in hopes that someday they'll be able to have that job. So that's there's a fear exactly right. to give up the, the job in case there's no opportunity. Right. That's, that's a great fear.
1: And recently, uh, some people were offered to pay half of the salary of the current month if they are able to uh, uh, forget about the, the past month.
0: Right, so the deal is okay. The government offers me, if I'm the employee, they offer okay. We'll give you half of the of your June salary if you acknowledge that you're not going to receive any payment from January through uh, through May. I know
1: that's 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 crazy, mind boggling, but it's it happens uh and that's just the situation so when somebody comes to the us and you hear people complain about this or that you know the best for me the best thing i do is i just keep my mouth shut because i can't i can't say anything <laughs> right right
0: right it sounds crazy right right i know and so and again just to reiterate like you're near lagos you lagos is a huge right. city right. uh it's it you're right in Right, kind of the the, the capital area. We're not talking about a rural province uh, out in in the middle of the jungle somewhere. We're talking about central Lagos. The capital of Nigeria is
1: a mega city and has about 18 to 20 million people. So it's really a mega city. Wow. Right.
0: Uh, Talk to me about the system of financing. Uh, so one of the things that's been interesting to me in past conversations with you is where you've talked to me about how, um, you build a house. Uh, so tell me about the credit markets. And if I were a Nigerian citizen and I wanted to, to build a house, how does that work? Do I go get a mortgage?
1: Well, uh, it's interesting. Um, well, um, officially there's a mortgage, but I don't think anybody's crazy enough to go to mortgage, uh, to get a loan to build his house uh, because it really doesn't work. Recently, there is an improvement in the mortgage system because the bank rate, I don't know what the bank rate is here, but over there, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the bank rate is about 40%. 4 0,
0: 40%. Yes.
1: So, what do you want to do with that? So, um, if you like to build your house, it has to be everything is in cash. You, don't, you cannot really access loan from the bank because of the, of the rate, because the rate is crazy. And well, some people do have access to loans and mortgage officially, but uh, I really have not seen anyone in the past. It's getting better now, but I've really not seen anyone in the past who was able to access that effectively. So basically, uh, it's a cash economy. There's no credit, as it were. The bank—you don't want to go to bank for credit because uh, the the low. I mean, the, the rate is high and the um, uh, I don't know their terms, but everything there it, it's almost unaccessible. Mm-hmm. So when I was building a house, you know, you have to buy the land for yourself and build a house. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. You buy a little here, a little there. Probably buy a hundred blocks and employ some artisans. I mean, bricklayers and carpenters to uh, to do as much as they can do uh, at at a point in time. And when you're done with that cash, you can wait for another year or maybe two years more or maybe three years, and you pick it up from where you stopped. And and gradually you are able to complete your house. So you the completion of your house is at your own pace. Is at your own financial muscle, you know how much money you can come up with, and that money probably has to do with uh, uh, maybe uh, uh, financing, but not necessarily from the bank. Uh, one interesting thing, however, is this. There is something we call the cooperative. I don't know if it's here in the US. The cooperative system is a system where you uh, save a certain amount of money from your salary every month. And at every point in time, you can access three times of the money you have. In, uh, you can access three times of the money you have saved in that cooperative. And so you can use it basically for anything you want to do, and you can pay it back in installment of 10 months to one year. And the, the rate, the lending rate, is just 1% to 2%. So there are co- cooperative societies that you can approach. But that you have to be... You have to be a corporate worker or you mm-hmm. have to be a government worker so that it's deducted from your salary from source. You know? So that really helps a lot of people to access funds, to access finances in building
0: their houses. In that system, uh, when you're accessing that, that money, uh, are you limited to doing that on a certain frequency? What do you mean? So oh. you, when you ask, so what I'm comparing it to, uh, the Haitians have a system. Uh, they call, uh, I think in Creole, they call it the soul. Soul, um, and what their system is, in uh, and I think there are similar systems in, in many places, is it's basically in order to. It's very hard to accumulate. Large amounts of capital at one time in a cash economy, and so we get together, and you and me and ten of our friends, for a total of twelve people, right. we all commit that every month we 're going to pay in one hundred dollars to again i don 't only know the Haitian word for it the soul uh, we 're going to pay one hundred dollars, and then one month. I'm going to get the full 1200. So I put in 100 in January and you put it but in January you get the $1200. Yeah, and it. then February I put it yeah. in and we go around in a ring yeah. until the full thing is completed and right. allows you to have $1200 in your hand right. all at one time. Right. So that's the system where there's no interest, it's not a, it, everyone is cooperating together, mm-hmm. but it allows somebody in a cash economy to come up with $1,200, which they can use mm-hmm. to actually move something and make something big dramatically happen, when oftentimes they would have a very difficult time saving the $1,200 over a year themselves.
1: Yes, uh, it's actually interesting. Uh, we, we, call it, we, we also have it, and we call it a susu.
0: Isuzu. Okay.
1: Right. So it's almost similar to mm-hmm. what you said they call it back there in uh, is Asia. Haiti. 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 Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So, yeah, uh, and interestingly, I'm also involved in it. Even right okay. now, I'm okay. involved in it. Because that's the only way, that's one of the only ways you can have access to cash. Mm-hmm. Right. You know. But right now, the other one that I just described is uh, seems to be overtaking that uh, in the sense that just like you have described 10 of us contribute like $100 and at the end of the 10th month somebody gets the old buck mm-hmm. and then it rotates until everybody everybody gets the uh well, that is people do that but the advantage people say of the previous one is that you can uh if you contribute like maybe $1000 you have access to $3000 or even $4000 mm-hmm. so it gives you much more and you can pay with a minimal um, interest rate. So, but the two uh, that I know of, those two, two things, the one you mentioned, which is also a SUSU in my country, and the cooperative are uh, the major ways people access funds for uh, major projects like building a house or something, you know, something more than that. Uh, the banking industry, you probably might want to ask that okay then, so what is the bank doing right <laughs> i don 't know
0: <laughs> well they 're doing they're... exactly what the, the bankers are doing exactly what uh, they do in the United States, making the bankers rich and uh <laughs> in in right. the u s we have a little bit more of an egalitarian service based system but yeah. you know if is nigeria <sighs> Like, I mean, some other, I've never been to Nigeria, but many countries I've traveled in, you have just the elite of the society, which are absurdly wealthy. Um, And then you have the majority of the society, which is hand to mouth, and you have a very, very small middle class, which is comfortable. Is that how it is in Nigeria? Well, I I wish,
1: (laughs) I wish that's how it is, but. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, there doesn't seem to be the middle class. Right. It seems that the middle class is completely destroyed. Mm-hmm. So you, we, you have the
0: super rich and the super poor. Right. <laughs> right. So that basically seems to be the other. And so the banks are involved with financing the new oil field and writing a contract for $2 billion to develop right. the oil field. And then there are some business people that are involved in that. And yes, there are some jobs that are coming there, but... but, but the, the, primarily the banks are set to serve the government interests and the interests of the, the few elite business right. owners that are running right. the country right you know the another problem that I see
1: that the, the country has uh, is that it's a largely all dependent country so everybody uh, is looking forward to the oil and the banks the, the banks are the bank services the government. Mm-hmm. The services, uh, oil facilities, are, you know, international multinational companies who employ people, and so they really do not have any. Uh, let me say, interest in average people, because they know they don't have anything anyway, and they are not likely to make money from them. So they make money from the government, and they make money from the multinational company who comes to prospect for oil, mm-hmm. and that's where the bank make their money and. Uh, if you go to Nigeria you'll see you'll be amazed at the uh you know the, the structures and so many things there uh it's like a contrast you're looking at a country that you think is poor, but you see there's no reconciliation because you see people who are super rich you know who have yachts and have you know super and have a lot of things so you cannot actually reconcile uh them with the people who are down below the the, uh, the line. Mm -hmm. So uh, the bank actually services the government, a government project, a multinational project, and everything that relates to oil and big money, Mm -hmm.
0: not for an average people. Tell me about um, the... I just blanked on what I was going to ask you about. Um, Prices. Tell me about prices. When you uh, so in a country like you're describing, the money is tight, people are unemployed. Uh, the obvious implication of that is that prices are cheap. So everything is cheap. So if I want to get deals on things, I should come to Nigeria, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> hopefully the audience heard the the, the the sarcastic tone of voice. Go ahead, tell us about prices, Bola. Well, I think the prices are actually relative. Um,
1: for instance, uh, it will probably take you more, f- uh, you'll probably spend more money for food in Nigeria than you will spend in the U.S. So in that comparison, I don't know uh, if things are cheaper uh, in, in Nigeria than here. If you ask me, well, most of the things that they buy in Nigeria, except the local things, are things bought from the U.S., and those who buys it from the US, they take it home in order to make profit. So if I buy something for like ten dollars here, when I get get back home, I like to have maybe two dollars more for my own profit. So things are like a little bit more expensive because Nigeria is largely uh, import dependent. So uh, most of the things used there are actually imported, and so things are expensive. However, There are some other things that you probably might find to be very cheap, and you can guess the first one. (laughs) You can guess. Labor. Labor, you're right. Labor is very cheap. You'll be surprised and amazed how much people uh, receive as wages and salary at the end of the month, despite despite maybe they're college graduates and they have degrees and this, especially from the government. The labor is very cheap. but uh, So you have a cheap labor, and you want to use the money for cheap labor to buy expensive things. And that's where the problem comes from. Because you have cheap labor, the money is small, uh, but you're using small money to buy things that are expensive. Right. And that's wh- what determines the standard of living. So people's standard of living is, is uh, you know, it's actually cut down because they cannot afford many things they they wished. Ordinarily, that
0: they're able to, to afford. And so this is what uh, is adjusting and changing things so, so desperately. So with your specific situation, um, your work as an architect was many years ago. Right. And for various reasons, you haven't practiced as an architect in tw- 20 years?
1: Uh, I actually stopped active practice in about... Uh, Maybe eight years ago. Oh, eight years, okay. Right.
0: So in the last eight years, you've done various things. At the moment, you are uh, working to build a business as a publishing uh, uh, expert, helping people publish, digitally publish their, their books. So you've been doing a lot of work on Fiverr, right. uh, and then you're trying to establish your own brand outside of Fiverr, right. and you're trying to leverage uh, the internet. And mm-hmm. so here's what's so powerful about the the, the technological transformation that's happening. Is someone like you, uh, an expert uh, in in one field, is now looking to the Internet and saying, how can I take my labor market and instead of trying to work in the local market where nobody has any money to pay me, how can I take and develop a skill set that's valuable to somebody on the other side of the world that's digital product product that I can work in – that I can work from my house in Lagos and work with somebody on the other side of the world. Mm-hmm. And to you, if you can develop and you've been having a, a, a good number of jobs on Fiverr, now if you can continue to develop the higher um, service and higher profit margin digital business, mm-hmm. that'll allow you to work for cheaper than somebody in another place, mm-hmm. but yet still the benefit of it, hopefully, if we can you know continue to get you more clients, the, the benefit of that is going to be much higher to you, where uh, you'll be able to get those that income to support yourself more more readily, and so this is what I think so many uh, U.S. Americans and other Western people are blind to is they think that uh, they think that uh, well we just have this economy and this competitive advantage that's going to continue. If you sit at a, if you do your job at a computer, mm-hmm. if you spend most of your workday at a computer. There is almost nothing in your work that can't be sent to the other side of the world. If you, if you make your living you know, mm-hmm. as a plumber fixing things, okay, you're going to have a good employment future. Right. Um, but if you make your living at a computer, sitting right. at a computer desk, right. you have, you are now in competition with people all around the world, the world. including... People that are much smarter than you, my listening audience, people that are much smarter than you who are living next door to Bola and who are desperate for an opportunity. And, and Bola, the rates, I mean, you, you have poured your heart and soul into some of the work that you've done on Fiverr because it's the best opportunity that you have. Right. And you're willing to deliver that value there. Right. And so what's, what's going to happen in the future? I mean, it's largely unknown. But the competition is, is, is coming in and, and I warn you, my listening audience, if you make your living at a computer, you are now in competition to people living in the circumstance with comp- in competition with the people living in circumstances like BOLA right. and to employers, you know, for me as an employer. I have no interest in hiring um, employees in the United States. Uh, When I can hire – my work is digital. Uh, If I can hire somebody to do my work uh, from another country, I have no interest in hiring the U.S. employee because I have to deal with the U.S. laws. I have to deal with the U.S. taxes. I have to deal with the U.S. costs. Everything is expensive. Everything is overregulated. I'd much rather work with somebody in Nigeria who can do the work better, who can do the work cheaper. It's just a win-win, and that's the future challenge for both U.S. Americans and the future challenge and opportunity for people living in in Nigeria and countries all around the world. Yes, I agree with you.
1: Uh, uh, you are in competition <laughs> with people who can take a little bit less uh, to get the cash they desperately need. You know, when I couldn't function again as an architect and. Um, um, so I had to look. Uh, there's an ad that says necessity is the mother of invention. Mm-hmm. So I looked to the uh, internet and online what I could, I could get. The market is huge. And, and so I found this publishing uh, thing and I did some training. And uh, I, am, I am willing to take a little bit less you know, from my American counterpart in order to get a little cash because that cash means a lot to me back home. When I change it to the local currency, you know it's able to you know keep me going for a while. So and that's basically what is happening in many uh, third world countries who have access to the internet. So the labor is cheap and their expertise is there because they know they are uh, competing with many people from across the globe, and the employers, uh, online employers, are looking for nothing but the best. So it puts a moral burden on, uh, on me to become the best I can ever be right. in, 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 in what I'm doing. And that sets me in a stiff competition uh,
0: with, with people from all over the world. Right. And to me, it's a good deal. Right. And the expertise is there because the training is there. And this is where on on Radical Personal Finance, I talk a lot about um, schooling and the the importance of schooling and the unimportance of schooling and and all of these things. But the point that I want to point out, if anybody thinks that schooling is preparation for the work life, it's not. Uh, Because in, in something like you're doing, let's use your example, publishing. The the expertise and the education that you need is something that is freely distributed over the internet. That's right. There is nothing that can't be taught That's through right. the computer connection. Right. And all of the work can be done through a computer connection. Well, in a world like that there's no need to sit in a classroom and and the the number of instructions and the students are there, it's just it opens things up. So you can't think that somehow sitting in a fancy classroom is going to help you to gain the skills any better than Bola sitting at his internet connection in Nigeria, teaching himself, downloading the software, teaching himself the skills, working for cheap while he's trying to develop his clients and build out the higher service end of the business. Mm -hmm. And this is a I mean, we have no idea where this is going to go over the coming decades, but it's just getting started. Mm -hmm. And, and, And the life the, the the world that we live in is going to be dramatically uh, affected yeah bola um tell me about the actual you, currently your actual living conditions in the sense that you have a house you've built a house it's a, a comfortable house um you're not living on the streets in a cardboard box like like some people are but even so um tell me about the electricity the internet connection those types of services how reliable they are and what you have to deal with on a daily basis
1: well generally um as I told you, the country does transition from a previous government to a newer government, and there's much hope that things are going to get a, a little bit uh, better. But right now um, the, the energy, the electricity for 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 instance, it's very I can describe it as very epileptic <laughs> <laughs> and that's the, that's the best condition. It's very epileptic in the sense that you're thankful many times if you have electricity for like two, three hours a day. I mean, you must be living in a good area to have electricity two hours a day. It means you're living in a, in a, in a fairly uh, good area. But then, as I said, uh, necessity is the mother of invention. There are people who, who have uh, electricity or who, who generate electricity through uh, inverter, and, uh, and and some other, maybe solar. Mm-hmm. So you, you can actually uh, make yourself as comfortable as you can uh, by getting these facilities yourself and not, not depend on the government. When I built my house, for instance, uh, there was no road leading to my house. Uh, there's no, uh, no water system, no electricity, no electricity there, no, nothing. So I had to I was the road. Constr- I was the road contractor mm-hmm. to my house. <laughs> you know, I had to dig a well and you know a borehole for to be able to to bring water. And I had overhead tank, and a pumping machine where I pump the water. So I'm, I make water available, and I had generator, and I've had like five generators in the last three years. And sometimes I operate like three in a day. If one, uh, if I if gas finishes in one, I switch to the other. And if that one finishes, I switch to the other. If one has a problem, I switch to the fourth one, and I have the fifth one as a backup. (laughs) And so the idea is that you can actually generate electricity yourself Mm -hmm. without waiting on the government. That comes with a cost. okay? And the same with internet. Uh, Recently, there is an upsurge of uh, internet penetration in Africa generally. And you know Nigeria with a very huge population of about 170 million people. So there's uh, internet penetration, broadband, you know, and the right. But then it's not cheap. So basically, the idea is this. You have everything but at a cost. So if you're willing to pay the cost, you can get fairly almost, you can have access to almost anything that you want. But uh, the difference is this. What the government do for people in America or some other countries uh, is individual that does it for themselves and in, not in, in a country like Nigeria. so while you complain about road, you complain about this, you complain about that, the mentality of an average Nigerian is fixed. They know that that is not the, the government prerogative. An average Nigerian believes that the only thing the government does is to maybe uh, you know put money in the private pocket in their private pockets. You know, and so you got to do everything yourself, basically. So electricity, water, road, and um, internet is basically your responsibility. It's not the government responsibility, it's not the responsibility of anybody, it's your responsibility. And that's survival instinct. So once you once you have that instinct, it propels you to look for how there's a problem that it makes you to look for solution. So an average person is smart, smart enough to make a living. So if you put an American and, and probably someone from the third world uh, in a difficult situation, one will, up, but one will maybe probably survive <laughs> more than the other because there has been, uh, there has been you know, experience in that regard over the years, and there's a proven skill and development that has led to, the,
0: uh, to overcoming such challenge. Right, right. That's why, I mean, you bring, uh, I've got a lot of issues with the United States, things I wish were different, but um, I don't know of a better place to um, get a. don't know of a better place to build wealth and to live a comfortable life in the world than the United States. And so uh, that's why so many people, uh, immigrants come here with the perspective and experience, some like you've said, some different experiences. When you look at the opportunities here in the U.S., you're telling me that I can get an apartment in the United States, in any town in the the United States, for under $1,000. I can live uh, and I can stay there, whether it's me and, and my family. I can find a place to live for under $1,000 a month, and there's electricity 24 hours a day, and there's water that I can drink out of the tap 24 hours a day, mm-hmm. and you're telling me that I don't have to worry about my security system. And I mean, I mean the theft, uh, I thought when you said you had five generators, I thought you were going to say five generators have been stolen in the last three years, because <laughs> you told me stories in the past about how, how often, I mean, how often have you been robbed in the last decade? Oh, well, maybe I've, maybe I've lost count. <laughs> But well, that's not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> and by last count, you mean like guess?
1: Um. Uh, well, maybe like. Uh, I I don't want to scare you. <laughs> I,
0: I'm 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 not going to be scared. Trust me. I'm st- I'm coming to visit you no matter what. No, I, I'm not. No. I'm, I don't I'm want hard to scare. I, I, you. But you know, I want to know actually because. So one of the reasons why I'm having this conversation, just to, just just to tell you why I'm asking right. so many direct questions, mm-hmm. is, I think that. In the United States, we are soft and fat and weak. Mm. And very few people know how would, would, many U.S. Americans would die in the life that you live every day. They wouldn't know what to do. Okay, So the problem is that it, things can change. We've had a pretty good boom time here in the United States for the last few years. Um, there have been many aspects that have been tough. But when we go into another recession... It's very possible that it could be very difficult. Mm-hmm. Now, for us, that very difficult might mean going from seven percent unemployment to twenty percent unemployment, or ten percent, or fifteen percent. It's not going to g- be going from seven to seventy percent unemployment, mm-hmm. but still, that will have a dramatic impact. And so, people in that situation, they'll have to cut back on the amount of meat they're buying, and they have mm-hmm. to cut out back on on the on the cell phone plan, and they have to cut back here. And they think, oh, I'm. I'm 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 having a difficult life. Meanwhile, in for me, I'm thinking yes, I, I have to cut back. But I'm thinking of my friend Bola in Nigeria, having been robbed, and and having to face all of that, and having been robbed how many times in the last decade or, or last few years? Um, conservatively, uh, maybe like six, maybe like six times. Okay. So right. And these robberies, people are coming in, armed intruders?
1: Uh- well, it depends. There are people who are, I've just described the situation. You know, uh, imagine a man who has uh, graduated from the university and mm-hmm. has a, maybe like a master's degree. Brilliant. But it is not, it, it, there's no employment. He's got mouths to feed. And you know our system is cultural. Our cultural system is very communal. So, you got your parent living with you, your, your parents in law, your aunt, and your uncle, and your niece, and your nephew, and you're jobless. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, there's a push, it, gots, it gets to a time, and you see someone who is more educated than, uh, whom you are more educated than, and you have more opportunities than, you're smarter than him, you're everything, but somehow it makes its way into the government. And when it gets to the government, the only thing it does is to, is to, it has a lot of, suddenly it becomes, uh, you know, very rich for doing nothing, mm-hmm. you know. And so there's this anger in you that what is this? So you see most of the robberies is, uh, is transferred aggression of people who are just looking for livelihood or, who wants to take away, who want to take from you. And so if you have a little money, if you're a little bit comfortable, they believe you are part of the people who are super rich and you, you, you are not thinking about them. So what they want to do is to dispossess you. Not really. It's just not really, you know, uh, killing or as it mm-hmm. were. It's just to take a little from what you have, mm-hmm. and they know you're not going to give them just like that. Except they come in an armed way and they come to steal. So that's that's what is responsible for a lot of robberies, uh, theft and stealing. And I'm sure that uh, an average American has had you know a lot of scams and and things like that so uh that's what was responsible for you know for things like that because many yeah. are looking for livelihood right right
0: yeah it, it our conversation hopefully gives a little bit of context to all the nigerian email scams um which you know i tell you i feel i feel for you being a nigerian an honest nigerian living in mm-hmm. that and the, the stigma that you have to face with all the email scams right um it, it's it's a very difficult uh very difficult situation i know so Bola, if you were looking at people in, you know, you're, you're here in West Palm Beach with us, and if you're looking at people who live in our kind of context, and you were trying to give some practical advice for how to succeed financially, given the abundance of opportunity that we have from your perspective, when you're looking at it, what type of practical advice would you give to, to somebody here in, in, in the United States to say, um, recognize, Well, what practical advice would you give to succeed financially?
1: Well first I will um uh, I will say that uh there's there there's supposed to be um uh, a paradigm shift there's supposed to be uh, a different mentality in the sense that it's about not what you can get is what you can give and what you can do and the environment is conducive enough good roads i mean security i mean uh, not perfect but at least it's better you you got almost everything working. And maybe the reason why an average uh people that lives in a comfortable environment, they are too comfortable, they can't think. And if you can't think, you you, you start to sink. Somebody said that. They <laughs> say if you don't think <laughs> like <that>. you sink. <laughs> <laughs> so uh because trouble or struggle or problem actually is the is the measurement that determines your manhood, I mean how man you are, because you are able to think, you know think out of the box. So my advice is going to be that uh, look at the opportunities all around you. Uh, Most of the time when I'm here, there are so many opportunities uh, on the internet. And I just wonder why people are blind or why are they not taking the opportunities? You know, even from flying, from, uh, you know, each time I come around, uh, I see that uh, you can actually buy and sell. Mm-hmm. Because there's no job back in my country everybody everybody is a trader. so when I come here, I come with the intention to buy things and I go back home to sell and make a little profit. Every while I'm here, I want to go to Amazon and buy uh, buy something for five dollars, sell it for six dollars and if I, if I sell like fifty of them I got fifty dollars mm-hmm. you know and those are the things the proactive way that uh, because there, there is the environment is so conducive all you need to do is just to look. And look for where there is need and service the need where there is need people are looking for solution and that's what brought me to the uh, to the publishing business online. I discovered that ebook is always is the is the next big thing mm-hmm. you know uh, millions of ebooks are published every day so how can I be part of it? well I didn't know anything about ebook but I trained myself. Uh, I learned everything online, free of charge, of course. I learned everything, how to do this and how to do that. Then I, I became proficient enough and I, I, and I started off. So my advice is to look for needs and service the needs around you. And the internet is not just for Facebook. The internet is not. It's not. not? <laughs> it's not just for Twitter. It's not for that. You see, you, uh, I enjoy, uh, uh you know, Wi-Fi here while mm-hmm. in the U.S. Uh, to, to use a Wi-Fi back home costs a lot. I mean, it costs a lot, you cannot imagine. But you have it in your home, and, and it is sitting there doing nothing. It's not bringing any, any little more income for you. So what is your Wi-Fi doing? You cannot connect to the internet, learn some trade, learn some things. And you, know, you can use it to better yourself, not only to enjoy yourself. I think the average mentality of an, of an American is enjoyment. Mm-hmm. Everything is in abundance. There is no, well, I got to do this. And the best thing we can do is call the government, and the government comes right away and solve the problem. So we must be proactive to our needs, not depending. I think we must get out of the, 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 the mentality of dependence, depending on government. After all, I pay my tax. Well, that's mm-hmm. a good thing. <laughs> but then we can look for uh, opportunities all around us, in our immediate environment, uh, people, there are people who have a need of something. Look, for, look for it. When I go to the park, when I was coming the last time I was coming, I bought some uh, African dresses, um, you know, and I said, okay, if I go to Key West or if I go to a park or if I go to a beach, I probably might want to sell these for for, for so much. Maybe if I make ten dollars from each of them, and I have like uh, ten, that's a hundred. That's a hundred bucks for me, you know, and that's extra. So. Uh, I think the mentality is to, is to look towards how to have more, and having more is dependent on servicing the need of somebody or a community around you. When we have that mentality, that is when we can actively look for how that can be possible. And you will discover that there are a thousand and one ways how that can be possible. There are people on YouTube who, who already give you the tutorial. Of what to do, right? So, right. all you need to do is just to watch it and do what they do, and you become a professional over
0: an overnight professional, right? So, those are my thoughts. That's good stuff, Bola. <laughs> That's good stuff. Uh, awesome. Well, tell us about um, because there may be people in my audience who can use your publishing services, and, and I want to give you an opportunity to tell them about it. Um, t- first, well, tell us the story uh, of of how you've gotten into it and kind of what you've learned so far, because I know it's been kind of a Partially successful, but it's also been a lot of work. So you started on Fiverr, right? And you started, you, you you studied a little bit about how to format. Tell us the services that you've been doing. What's worked really well? What hasn't worked? Okay, um, I, it actually I started actually
1: because I uh, through um, one the quest to publish a book. I, you were publishing a book that you had written. Yes, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I I read I I wrote a book. And I was, like, thinking if I publish this book, I probably might get some money, you know. The, the mentality is about survival. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have sure. a book. If I publish, maybe I'll be able to get some income from it. And I discovered that uh, there is a print on demand. I was tired. I've published a book in the past, and I've got a stack in my room, about a 1,000 <laughs> books. And each time I look at it, I kick it and bring it down. <laughs> and I don't want something like that. And I read that you can actually publish your book print on demand. That is, I don't have to print a thousand. Just if anybody needs a book at a time, they print the book and they send it to them. I so, say, wow, that's a great opportunity. So I contacted somebody online. Oh, can you help me prepare this book for uh, print on demand publishing? And said, so, yes, it can. And it gives me the bill, and I couldn't afford the bill. And I said, what do you mean? I live in Nigeria, I don't, I don't make them dollars. Mm-hmm. And the, 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 the bill was in dollars. And then I went to the publishing place and I saw you can do this yourself. You can actually do it yourself. So, wow, that's interesting. Then I read through, I downloaded and printed, you know, the book is as uh, maybe some a couple of hundred pages. I read through and I wasn't very prof- proficient in the use of, uh, you know, uh, some programs in the computer, but I was ready to learn, you know, if it will save me an extra box anyway. So I started learning. So, and I discovered that, so, I did it, and I was very afraid. Oh, maybe if I send it to the publishing house, they're going to throw it back at me and say this is a junk. What do you mean? Mm-hmm. And I've read a lot of stories of people who have been rejected by this publishing company, and they have uh, frustrated. And I anyway, when I sent it to this publishing uh, f- house, they sent it back to me uh, maybe some few hours later, and they said congratulations. I said for what? They said, your book is successful. Say how can it be successful? I've read a lot of people, out their frustration, how they have tried it several times, know, 10 times, 20 times. At the end of the day, they have to give it up and look for someone to do it for them. And here I was, I did it once and that was it. That was an encouragement. I said, if I can do this, Then what about these people who are already frustrated? Maybe I can meet their needs. Right. Okay. So I, I, I pulled it off. I said, maybe that was a one time mistake. (laughs) So, uh, because I had to do some editorial there. And when I tried it again and I heard the same thing, congratulations. I said, okay, which means I can, I gain enough proficiency. So, uh, then I, I spoke to someone right there on the platform and said, maybe I can help you. So I did it for him. And he thanked me. And that was for free. And it, it went through at once. I did it for another. It went through at once. And I said, okay, this is time for me to monetize my skill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I looked for online, uh, online, and I got this Fiverr. And you can actually walk there, and everything is $5. And you don't have to worry about uh, the payment uh, structure or mm-hmm. things like that because they have all this payment thing done. And that's that's what I needed. So I registered and I did my first job, and uh, it was successful. I did my second, successful. I got reviews, and, and they're saying, "Oh, this guy is good," you know. And that that kind of encouraged me to do more. And so uh, since then, I've been uh, working. And basically, what I do is to format into uh, print on demand and uh, ebook, you know, format for into different. Uh, into different formats like uh, Amazon, uh, Barnes and Nobles, uh, you know, uh, eBook, uh, and iCobo, and the rest of them. So they have different formats. Mm -hmm. And before you can publish uh, your book as an eBook, you have to pass through this stage because it requires some some codings, uh, little programming, uh, little programming stuffs, which I learned during the Mm -hmm. process of my own. So, then more jobs were coming in, then I discovered that I didn't have skill in some again, so I went back online, learned, for instance, in ebook, uh, ebook was primarily made for text. Mm-hmm. But some people have images in their books, they have charts, they have and some other pictures and things like that, which is very difficult to do. And I discovered that that was a hindrance for me. Most people say, "Oh, do you do children's book?" No. Or oh, do you do coloring book?" No. Do you do images? I have 20 images in my book. No. And I said, oh, enough of no. Mm -hmm. So I learned it. And I became proficient enough in it. And so I put another thing out uh, right there on Fiverr. I do this. I do that. And jobs keep coming in, coming in, although in trickles, but it's better than nothing. Right, right. (laughs) So You're up to like 200? You said 200 reviews on Fiverr? I have about 240 reviews right now on Fiverr. That's great. basically what I do is just... Publishing for ebook and uh, print book on POD. That's great. Smash Word, Create Space, Lulu and the rest. All any type of book. That's what I do. And what's your your Fiverr username is My Fiverr username is
0: I P r-i-e-s-t iPriest. i priest i <laughs> priest i know that's kind of uh <laughs> that's funny and um your uh so i'll link to your fiverr profile in the show notes and then your website i know we're working on doing some new marketing stuff to help you with your website what's the website also that you're using for your business uh i'm using cry out publishing right now Cryoutpublishing.com. right right awesome so uh, hopefully if any of my audience, uh, I mean, I, I can uh, I can vouch for Bola and his character. If anybody wants to work with somebody, you, you've heard his story. Uh, but um, I've known Bola. For, how long have we known each other? Uh, uh, seven years, to eight years, something like that. 2008. Eight years. We've known each other eight years. And uh, so I can vouch for his uh, honesty and integrity. And, uh, uh, and 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 usefulness. Uh, we got, again, you had that Nigeria thing. We were talking right. uh, on uh, Saturday about discrimination. And uh, <laughs> I've had a, f- you know, had a fair share. Yeah, being from Nigeria <laughs> and how challenging it is. You know, you, you tell someone, "Hey, I'm a Nigerian." All of a sudden, you know, to those of us who, who have many emails from uh, from our rich Nigerian uncle who died <laughs> in, <laughs> in our email, uh, it's very very challenging. I know, uh, very very challenging. Very, but very. Uh, but I can vouch for your character and. And for your work so if any of my audience knows um or knows of needs those services or knows of anybody who's needs those services well we're trying i mean the transition the thing about fiverr just as a business plan right has been fiverr has been a great place for you to learn right and you've been paid a little bit of money right to, to learn right well now with those skills we've got a we've got you've got a transition mm-hmm. from the entry level work to the more advanced work and that's where we build on the service model mm-hmm. where Instead of working on the cut rate pricing, you, you, you start to build out a client base of people who value reliability right. and quality and who are willing to pay more. And they get it cheaper than somebody sitting in New York City right. because of, uh, of the advantage. Right. But they don't have to worry about the quality of constantly going to another $5 gig on, right. on, on Fiverr. That's it. So that's the idea. Obola, thank you for. Um, coming on radical personal finance my pleasure it's uh it's been fun and i hope that uh you and the audience i hope you could take some of these ideas today and consider the benefits of where you live i mean you hear bola talk about something as simple as wi-fi most of you listening to this show we have some listeners in africa we have some listeners in, in asia and, and places where um, wi-fi costs a little bit more but most of you listening to this show can get free uh get a free internet connection anywhere you go most of many of us ha- have so much data on our cell phone plans we don't even bother to to uh, look for Wi-Fi we just stream it on our data uh, but when you think about the resources and the normal daily things that you have in your life and you look at them as benefits and you think what can I do with what I have it can open up your doors uh, it can open up your eyes and, and I encourage you if you're well employed um, and you're, you're happily employed great no, you don't necessarily have to go and say I've got a you don't have to come from a place of desperation and, and think, how do I go and get more jobs, but one thing that you can do is you can think to yourself, what are some different ideas, some different ways that if I I could use some of these resources I have to make more money. What are ways if you look around at the resources in your life, whether it's a roof over your head, and you think, what are some ways that I could use my house to make money? Whether it's a driveway in front of your house, what are some ways I could use my driveway to make money? Uh, we don't do this much in the U.S., but in much of the world, if you have a driveway, there's going to be a business operating out of it. And so, whether you do that, you know, my, one of my neighbors has a garage sale every every month. Uh, every month, one Saturday, week, they turn their their driveway into a a profit making um, enterprise. They keep a, a stack of tables around the side of their house. And I, I don't know where they get the cheap stuff, but they buy the stuff for cheap and they sell it in a garage sale. Or maybe you grow plants in the backyard and you sell mango trees in your front driveway. Look at the resources that you have and think: How can I turn these resources from dead, non-productive things into useful, productive things? because that's the essence of, uh, of capitalism. So thank you all so much for listening to the show. If you'd like to support me, and uh, uh, this is what I'm trying to do, is provide you the resource. If you'd like to support me in the work that I do, consider becoming a patron of the show, radicalpersonalfinance.com slash patron, radicalpersonalfinance.com slash patron.